Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, on uh, Real Fun DC. Um, I want to thank you all for joining me today. And um, as many of you know, we record this show in advance. And um, I just have to mention what happened yesterday on Wednesday, January 6th, the invasion of hate that took place in this city, my city, our city. It was devastating to behold. Um, that ugliness not only mars the beauty of this city, but those that selfish behavior was just another blow to the already hard hit restaurant industry and all the small independent retailers all over the city. Needless to say, um, I'm without words, but I am not without anger. And it is absolutely necessary for all of us to speak up and demand action on this terrible act. So I know I talk food, industry, travel, the lighter side of life. I'm really lucky that I get to do that for a living, but I do. But I can't talk about the better part of living when we let this kind of stuff happen. So to all of you listening, you know you need to call your local representatives, call everybody from the ground up and let them know where you stand and let them know that this is unacceptable. And while you got that phone in your hand, call your favorite restaurant, order from your favorite restaurant, buy gift cards. If the curfew lasts, that means you're gonna have to get everything before six o'clock and you need to make that effort because the restaurants in this area have already been so hard hit by what is happening with this pandemic and every little bit helps. I'm a huge supporter of gift cards. My neighborhood does a gift card swap every month. Everybody buys gift cards. We get together, socially distanced, and uh, do like a little grab bag. It's a great way to sort of see people since we're all on our own, but it's another more important way to put money in the hands of restaurants. So think outside the box, do what you can, and really support um, this industry that is so uh, hurt right now and one that I, you know, love. So new listeners, I don't usually go super political, but over the last 18 years, I have provided a platform to hear all the voices from this community. And, um, you know, maybe you follow me on the list, are you on it.com, the online e-zine. We list every food and wine event happening in the DC metro area. So if you're looking to dine outside, because that's what you got to do, yurts, igloos, parklets, we have lists of every place that's doing them in the city. Um, Restaurant week is coming up and so is inauguration. So you need to make your plans. You need to probably order it in. And now is the time to find out about that. All of that is up on the website. You may also hear me every Sunday on Foodie and the Beast with my husband, David. We just celebrated 12 years on air, a food and wine variety show, lots of food, lots of booze, lots of fun. Um, And probably on WTOP too, I get lots of messages from you where you hear uh, me talk very fast about what's happening in the DC metro area and y'all want to know what I said. Um, But uh, you definitely can hear my trend reports there. And of course, follow me on social at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Twitter and Instagram. I am on Facebook, but I don't like it. Lastly, uh, you better mark your calendars for the 26th Tuesday of January because it is International Sous Vide Day. Whoa, whoa. And uh, once again, I am a partner with Cuisine Solutions. It is going to be nine hours of activity. I know that's a lot, but nine hours of activity that includes demonstrations and uh, interviews. Um, and gift giveaways, a cuisine, Solu- a cuisine Solutions is totally rocking it out. I just did a panel discussion with Daniel Balud, Kyle Connaughton, and uh, Grace Ramirez about what's happening in the restaurant industry. You'll be able to hear that and so much more. Uh, so let's get into today, shall we? So as you know, I'm a New Jersey girl. I grew up right outside the city, New York City. So good pizza was a part of my life. Uh, good bagels wasn't even a question because they were everywhere, you know, yummy, doughy on the inside, crispy on the outside bagels, totally my thing. Um, and for those of you who don't understand what a good bagel is, Einstein is not a bagel. That is bread 
with a hole in the center, just so we're perfectly clear before we start our conversation. Um, and also delis. I mean, I grew up with delis everywhere. My grandparents were in Florida. Clearly, I'm Jewish. So, you know, it was a part of my life. When I moved to D.C., I really didn't understand the concept of not having really good pizza, not having really good bagels. And the delis at the time, 2Js and Parkway, I was like, yeah, no, those are not delis. I don't know what those are. They're bad interpretations. So I'm wondering if you can guess who my guests are today, because we're talking about pizza, we're talking about bagels, and then we're going to be talking about partnerships. So I'm really excited to have um, Andrew Dana and Daniela, or I'm going to say her last name wrong. Daniela, say your last name so I don't mispronounce it. Moreira. Moreira, thank you. Um, from Call Your Mother, Timber Pizza, and other uh, new uh, things happening for them. And Michael Wilder, good friend from Chaplins and Zeppelins. But together, them and his wife, Johanna, uh, have also started Mercy Me. So we're going to get into all of it. So Andrew, I mean, you've been on the show before, Daniela, so have you. Tell me a little bit, Andrew, when you started Timber Pizza, because your model was sort of one that now people follow. You started at farmer's markets. Yeah. Um, I always say I wish I had sort of like this master plan that we followed, but it was sort of like a day at a time. Um, I was just a guy who hated my job, but loved lunch. Um, and pizza to me was something I could wrap my head around. It wasn't rocket science. I was like, I can figure out dough, sauce and cheese. Um, and I went to grad school in New York uh, and instead of studying, I was basically just eating pizza and bagels every day. So I would say that was more my, my master's degree. Um, so I just like, I hated my job and I started to look around at locations cause I was like, I'm gonna open a pizza shop. And I remember walking into one like empty location on H street and the realtor was asking me questions. And like, not only did I not know the answer, like, like I didn't even know what the question meant. So I was like, I don't think I'm ready to open a location. What's a way I can sort of like dip my toes into the water, learn the ropes, see if this is actually something I want to do. Um, so my buddy Chris Brady and I basically bought a mobile wood-fired pizza oven like sight unseen. Um, and the company was like, the, the oven will be there in three months. So Chris and I were like, all right, we have three months to figure out how to make pizza, how to start a business, how to create some branding. Um, and we just sort of hit the ground running. And like, basically our motto was like, don't stop it good enough. Like make sure something's perfect and outworked everybody. And we um, went to every farmer's market, every festival. If somebody said, be there, we were there. We were going to local breweries. You know, we had days where we sold two or three pizzas, but like every time we went out, we learned something new. Well, can I ask you a question? What did you want from your pizza? Did you before you started investigating pizzas and learning how to make pizza, was there a kind of pizza? Because pizza comes in all, you know, there's New York style yeah. pizza, Chicago pizza, you know, Neapolitan pizza. Was there a style that spoke to you? Yeah. So, I mean, now in hindsight, I know that it's called like Neo-Neapolitan or Neapolitan-ish. But at the time I was like, you know, there's places that do like classic Italian, wood-fired, you know, where it's like 90 seconds and it's really doughy. And then there was places doing like big New York style pizzas where they're like crispy on the bottom, but maybe not super like ingredient driven. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, if these types of pizza had a baby, I think we'd be onto something. So the whole idea was use a wood fired oven, but make it crispier than a typical sort of Neapolitan pizza, use some funky ingredients. So our whole thing was like, let's not go like barbecue chicken pizza and let's not go margarita let's do something that's interesting but not sort of like corny and and you know over the top so we were just trying to like thread that needle of good ingredients creative and if neapolitan in new york had a had a sexy baby named timber pizza well it sounds like you wanted to keep the integrity of the pizza you didn't want to be trendy you wanted to be delicious which yeah, no gimmicks ever is our right mind. so now when did you and are you guys married yet? Are you married? Engaged. You're married? Yeah, you got married, right? We're engaged. You're engaged. Okay, so you're partners. So uh, I think I I think I met you both like right when you got engaged. Um, so it's been a while. What are you waiting for? Um, Corona to end. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. 
<laughs> I can't help it. Jewish mommy. That's what yeah. I do. Um, so, um, Danny, how did you get involved? Your story of how you two wound up working together first is kind of interesting. Yeah, so I went to school in High Park, New York. I went to the CIA. And <laughs> when I graduated, I moved back to Argentina because sort of like lost the passion about cooking. Um, everything was so serious there. The, um, I work at 11 Madison Park in New York. The whole fine dining was like, sort of like make me lose my real passion for cooking and for feeding the masses. Like I don't just wanna feed somebody in a special occasion. I wanna cook something that you wanna eat every day. Uh, so I went back to Argentina and sort of like got back at cooking in my parents' summer camp. And then, you know, after living in the US for like six years, you know, I didn't belong in Argentina anymore. And then I came back here and I was the happiest ever in my life in Washington. That's the first place that I came as an au pair. And I said like, okay, I had a friend that was opening a fine dining restaurant. I asked him if I could have a job. He said, yes, this was going to be the Shobishu, the restaurant that opened and closed after two months. And you know, like I was waiting for the restaurant to open. Uh, it took forever. And in the meantime, I was like doing private catering, shopping at all the farmer's market. Uh, cooking for all the au pairs families that you know that I used to have and babysitting and one of the markets was the USDA farmers market um, I was shopping for eggs and this guy comes next to me and he was trying to buy eggs too and the the guy only had one dozen left we chatted for a little we ended up splitting it and, you know, I'm like very shy and like, I'll never come to you and talk to you if you don't give me like the, the like the, the first opening. Yes. So Andrew was the person buying the eggs. Mm -hmm. Then he went back to his uh, stand and he was with the wood fire oven. And I say, like, I saw it. I saw them blasting music, having so much fun, cooking pizza. That is my favorite thing in the world. Right. So I say like, okay, Danny get the courage, go to talk to him. So I went and asked him like, listen, I'm, 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 a, I'm a chef, I'm waiting for my job to open. Do you need somebody to work part-time? And he gave me his card. I emailed him and then he emailed me back and said like, yeah, sure, come work with us this gig. Uh, it was around the corner of what Timber is now. Right. And that was my first day and I showed up okay, ready. So listen. I can't go day by day by day because the show is only 50 minutes. So <laughs> I mean, I'm interested, but we have to continue. So you join Timber Pizza. You guys wind up doing a brick and mortar, um, and, but still continue to do um, farmer's markets, which I, I really find fascinating. And then where did the call your mother idea come from? Because I know you, you were experimenting with bagels and farmer's markets for a while, but what was it that you guys were looking to do with call your mother? Yeah, so like the first year and a half of Timber, we were in there every single day grinding. It felt like, you know, we were never gonna be able to do anything else. And eventually it, you know, became a little smoother and we hired really good staff. And uh, we were just like looking for the next thing to do. Um, Growing up, my dad said he always wished he had opened a Jewish deli. And then I sort of stole that line and made it a pizza restaurant growing up. So then it was like sort of time to come full circle. And I was like, that'd be cool to do something that my dad has always dreamed of. Um, by happenstance, we met this great uh, guy named Jeff Zients, who is now our business partner and investor. Uh, he also was interested in opening a Jewish deli. So he said, basically like, why don't you draw up your dream project? I went to Danny. I said, do you want to open like a bagel Jewish shop? She said, I'm from Argentina. I'm not Jewish. And I don't know bagels. And I said, ah, you'll figure it out. And uh, she said, sure. And then, you know, we got in the lab and recipe tested for nine months and went to New York and went to South Florida and went to San Francisco, tried a bunch of stuff, shipped in bagels from Montreal. Mm -hmm. And then the timber theme of Neapolitan and New York having a baby. We were like, what if a New York bagel and a Montreal bagel had a baby? That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, here we are. But yeah, and they're amazing. And the uh, 
the initial reaction and continued reaction is has been pretty incredible. I mean, at the end of the day, don't get me wrong, I love them. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a piece of bread with a hole in the middle. And, you know, but people really want them and they love them. I'm just sort of curious, pre-pandemic, and then we're gonna have to take a break. Pre-pandemic, what was your rollout model? Because unlike Timber, you have now rolled out multiple properties and fast. Yeah, so our, our goal with Call Your Mother was always to open multiple locations. Um, bagels are sort of, it's like a heavy lift to, to, do, to make. You basically have to have overnight bakers and you have to have a huge oven. So basically the model only makes sense if you do open multiple locations mm -hmm. um, of the initial investment. So the, so the goal was always to open a bunch um, and the goal was always to open them this year. And then the pandemic hit and we hit the pause button for a second, but then we took a step back and said, listen, like we have the staff, we have the locations, we have the ability to do this and we have the ability to do it in a safe way. Um, so we just kept sort of chasing the original business model. We have been, so can I ask a question? Was that Bethesda trolley? Because you let's just tell people where you are. Was that Bethesda trolley to suss out whether or not Bethesda would actually be interested, or was that part of the plan? Uh, like both. The the plan was put it in that location, and if that location worked, um, to rehab the building there. For you, those of you who don't know, we're in this parking lot next to Suburban Hospital. It's the old community store in Bethesda. Mm -hmm. um, so the goal was, it's an old historic building. So before we like dove into this crazy project, we're like, let's test it out. Um, so we are gonna rehab that building. It has worked, um, but I think we're gonna leave the trolley there because we need that as the kitchen because the old um, uh, store is so small. Sure. But you're also about... opening in Pike and Rose, right? Yeah. We so think how, many those... how many locations do you, how many open locations do you have now? We have four. Four. four open. Where are those properties? The original is on George Avenue, Parkville, right. the Bethesda one. There's one in Georgetown, the corner of 35th and O, right near uh, and the old florist shop. The old florist the old shop. Florist shop. It's pink. If you miss it, that's on you. Yeah. Right. And um, we have one in Barracks Row on Capitol Hill, the corner of G and Eighth Street. Okay, great. Right. right. We're gonna take this luxury. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with uh, Michael Wilder, talk about what he's been doing with his properties. And then I, I want to talk about, I mean, you guys opened Mercy Me in a hotel, yours truly, in the middle of a pandemic. I want to talk about how you partnered together on this and how, you know, two couples working together, that's, a, that's an interesting dynamic. This is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night. We'll be back in just a sec. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Did you know that you can ask to hear me on Alexa? Just say, hey, Alexa, turn on Real Fun DC and you can put on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Super easy, super fun. Of course, always follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram and Twitter for the latest and greatest going on in the DC food and wine community. Okay, so we've been talking bagels and pizza. Uh, and now we're going to talk with Micah Wilder of Chaplains and Zeppelin. So I know Micah for a really, really, really long time. I think I met him when he was underage, actually. Um, he and his brother, are, Ari, are known around town. For a while, it was the two of them, the Wilder brothers, who are no longer as wild, because I think they're both married and both have kids, or one is having a kid. And um, But they were really movers and shakers on the cocktail scene and helped raise the DC profile in the cocktail world, and then opened up their own places. So hi, Micah, how are you? Hi, Nikki, really good, good to see you. It's always good to see you. Um, Let's talk a little bit about just if we could just get a little 411 on Chaplin's and Zeppelin's sort of like what was happening pre-pandemic and then what you had to do post-pandemic or in pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, like the same for everyone. It's been very, very uh, kind of just growing uh, week to week and, uh, you know, making just last minute changes and anticipating things, you know, the uncertainty is everywhere but i mean we are very lucky to be in shaw uh just because the neighborhood you know uh 
has been so supportive through all this. Um, and, you know, pretty blessed with uh, large patios uh, to try to navigate, you know, through the warmer weather. Um, still facing all the challenges everyone else has. But I think, uh, you know, there is some silver lining, like we've all uh, kind of discovered uh, new outlets and uh, directions to grow our companies in. Um, and uh, just to cast bigger nets, um, whether it's like off premise to go, um, all kinds of, you know, really, really uh, just in, in little inventions uh, uh, to get through this. And uh, hopefully. Have, so for people, if you can just give a quick 411 on each concept so people are aware, because like to me, Chaplin's was, I mean, I know you had food, but I think of it as a, as a bar. I mean, because that's yeah. where like, was it had a huge single scene. Like that's where people like went to go hook up. So um, how do you change that? And did you have a to-go uh, men, did you already have to go in place at both properties? Uh, yeah, we already had to go uh, in both places. And you're right. I mean, we, uh, despite the fact that we have, you know, our, 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 uh, we've partnered with uh, chefs uh, at both uh, locations and our food has really been a huge part of uh, who we are. We always, we build our restaurants around our bars because that's just who Ari and I are and that's what we're known for. Um, but uh, so yeah, we were kind of a set up to go and uh, set up to serve, you know, um, on the patio. And because the neighborhood is such like a walkable kind of bar hoppable area, like uh, the to go beverage, uh, you know, has been a pretty, pretty good thing in Shaw. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure they'll closely monitor it. But um, but, uh, you know, it's pushed us to get our to-go packages, our branding in place. All these things that uh, were secondary are now, you know, becoming our primary focus just through all this. Um, yeah, I bet. And I, so if you could just tell people about the cuisine at both places and then what you're doing to sort of package those cocktails, because obviously the change in the laws, which I understand are permanent, really well, hopefully one day when we're, we're back to whatever new normal looks like, um, will be an, a, an extra revenue stream. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're, um, we're, uh, we're, you know, we're doing ramen and everything at uh, Chaplin's, like we always have a sushi, a block down at Zeppelin. And um, we're, you know, working on our, we're doing a lot of like uh, spirituous uh, cocktails to go uh, with, uh, like uh, Q sodas from uh, for our highballs from Zeppelin and just kind of getting creative selling, uh, you know, at um, we're uh, selling frozen drinks by the court for parties. I mean, uh, small parties, small parties, not big parties. small parties in your apartment, you know, I mean, right. uh, there's high concentration uh, buildings like directly across the street from chaplains that have really been it's like you know their living room our patio so oh, can I just interrupt to say it is I, I, I don't know where the stars align on this but chaplains is in the former Shaw Bijou oh Zeppelin <laughs> I, yeah I know yes, he was supposed to work and didn't yeah, every time um, Danny reminds me of that, and uh, it, it's just, it's, it is, you know, it's a, it's a small world, it's a beautiful building, like, you know, that whole, the whole area is just, it's all crumbled, gorgeous buildings, and, uh, you know, we, you know, uh, Chaplin's is a brand new building, so it's got an elevator, and we just had to scuff it up to make it look old, okay. um, whereas Zeppelin is really an old, dilapidated uh beautiful old building so that's been a whole uh new set of problems but yeah uh you know it, it's a beautiful space uh it's a it's it's a beautiful neighborhood and we know the neighborhood really well so you know i'm just glad uh we stayed we stayed in shaw basically. well yeah i mean it's such a i love shaw it's such a great neighborhood okay so um let's talk about uh andrew and danny you guys very focused on your pizza you're very focused on your bagels uh how do you wind up with a hotel and a totally different restaurant concept yeah i mean i think that the the part of the restaurant process that we enjoy the most is the creative and the creation process mm -hmm. um 
you know, I personally love the branding and the vibe and the ethos of a place and the furniture. So, you know, when given the opportunity, um, you know, I'm not going to lie at first, I was like, what a restaurant in a hotel downtown. That seems kind of weird. Um, but after like really diving into the location, you know, we love to zig when other people are zagging. So as the city sort of moved further East, we liked the idea of like popping down and a place that seemed to be sort of getting forgotten a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and we love that it was at the intersection of office workers, colleges, residential. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just a, a big old blank slate to come up with some cool stuff. So we said- so, but you, so you were contacted by the people behind yours truly, the hotel. Correct. And did they have a concept in mind? They originally came to us and said, do you want to do timber pizza there? And we said, no, but we'll do some other crazy it. Okay. And then, um, because I mean, the space is gorgeous. Uh, this is the Mercy Me restaurant space. Uh, and then you also have a coffee shop too. Um, were you guys behind the design or was that all the hotel? Because the restaurant is basically in the lobby. Well, we like to think of it as very separate than the lobby, but they do blend together. Um, we do like to think of it as its own distinct space. Um, and yes, we were very involved in the design of the space. Uh, we worked with a great designer out of Chicago, Smeal and Dreary. Um, but like, like all projects, you know, we were out in Luckett's, Virginia, finding old pieces to give the place character, partnering with Holly Simmons locally, the best florist in the game. So. Definitely, definitely put our own our own thing on that space design. Well, for people who haven't been in the space, I can just tell you it has a real sort of like boho Cali chic feel from like it's supposed to be like from the seventies, but it's been updated to today. That's how I feel about it. Like with that's all the players. No, that's what the mood board said. So you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like I walked in there, I was like, this is me. I totally, like, I want to put on a caftan and just like lounge out on one of those chairs. Like I totally get where you guys are going. I love this space. Mm -hmm. Now, why did they bring you, you came up with sort of the concept. So how do you hook up with Micah and Johanna? How does that, why, why bring in somebody else to execute the food and the drinks and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think large picture, we just like, you can't be in seven places at the same time, right? So we said from the start, like, you know, we don't have the bandwidth to, to execute this, but we need to find somebody who can. Mm -hmm. So we like to say that we basically like, we came up with like the outline and then we we're looking for that perfect partner. Um, and just like, you know, we've been crossing paths with Johanna at different events and eating at Doi Moy. Um, and she invited us over for dinner, like just as friends. Um, and we we left that dinner being like, what the WTF? That meal was amazing. Micah was making drinks that were off the hook. We were like, what, what was even that? That was incredible. Um, and so we left and then like on the ride home, we were like, maybe she'd be interested. And so we asked her and she was interested in doing something different. And then we were like, well, what about your husband? And then she was like, I'll ask. And then he was interested. So it just sort of like, all came together. Then we went down to Argentina together and ate and drank our faces off. Um, and you know, if, if you're a couple that can work together, it's like, you can make some magic in the restaurant. Yes, no, that's entirely true. Um, but it's, but a couple working together and then another couple working together. I mean, that's four, that's four takes on a single vision, right? So collaboration on something like that, I would assume, had it had its really fabulous points, but also maybe had some sticking points. I mean, were there visions that either of you had that you were like, no, 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 it's got to be like this, and they were like, no, 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 it's got to be like that. Like, was there any? Not, I'm not looking for turmoil. I'm just wondering, like, how you were able to express yourself with each other to get the finished product that you all wanted. I think uh, traveling together was key. Like, mm -hmm. I really think our experience down in uh, South America really kind of uh, helped us kind of uh, envision, uh, get our visions like paralleled and kind of uh, see, see the same direction. Well, Micah, how did they explain it to you when they sort of approached you and Johanna, how did they explain the pro like what they were looking for? 
<clears throat> well, I mean, we're, you know, enjoying this amazing, um, like traditional Italian uh, dinner at our house that Johanna had put out. And we were just kind of like, you know, throwing around a lot of just, just great ideas because we're, you know, enjoying ourselves. And naturally, that's what we do, uh, you know, uh, for a living. So we were just uh, talking and just the Italian influence in Argentina and just like the way that, uh, just the way that that just kind of just that's what this project has been all about is just finding continuity uh you know within south america and based on who we are you know as a uh, as collaborators well so i want to back up a little bit because i don't feel like we correctly introduced your wife so johanna helrigal uh you may know her from Doimoy, where she was the chef uh but then during the pandemic she became the sourdough starter queen because she had some sourdough that her father had for years and then she passed it all over the city and that's why everybody in the city was making sourdough uh and then um she and you joined together with um andrew and uh danny and opened up mercy may so you guys travel all around argentina um, and then how did you and Johanna sort of come up, did they come up with the menu concept or did you come up with the menu concept? I mean, we, we worked together on everything, like mm -hmm. from the beginning, just growing it organically. Uh, that was kind of our goal is to kind of, uh, you know, to, to, uh, <clears throat> to, to truly collaborate, uh, and, um, and, you know, I had never uh, been down, I had never been uh, as far down as Argentina. So, you know, I just getting down there and just uh, closing down restaurants and bars and hanging out and talking to the industry and just really, really kind of uh, getting an inside look and a feeling, you know, really enabled us to bring back something authentic and, uh, and capture like, you know, hopefully capture, uh, our experience down there. Well, so Danny, as you, since you're more of the chef here and since Johanna unfortunately um, couldn't join us today because she's not feeling well, um, I wanted to know like, as you guys were collaborating on the menu, what were things that you felt had to be a part of the experience on the menu, um, as, you know, with its Argentinian roots? Uh, so, I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of Italians in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And with Johanna also being from Italy, I think it was very important to, to like showcase some of that. Um, you know, like Argentina is well known for the meat, pasta, and you know, that's pretty much all we know. And, you know, it was, I think it was important to add like a little more like fresh ingredients, a little spice. Uh, so Johanna did a really good job on adding like all this type of like things to like the very classic um, normal flavors. And uh, pastry parts was very important as well. Uh, I grew up in Argentina with a bakery in the corner eating medialunas, which are like smaller version of croissants and vigilantes uh, that are all coated in sugar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Camila and Johanna did such a great job of like bringing those. Well, let me just from... say, that's Camila from Pluma Bakery, right? Yes. 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 Uh, so amazing job of bringing those staples from my childhood. And that's, that's, that's all I care about eating. So they did an amazing job. Well, so what made you decide to bring in baked goods as opposed to baking like, so Pluma is a well-known bakery in the DC area and they do provide baked goods to a variety of uh, people in the area. But what made you decide to bring in them instead of doing your own? So we we are doing our own. Camilla oh, works okay. for us. Camilla's on the staff. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she joined the team. Um, so she's baking everything fresh out of Mercy Me. So the, you know, like everything, we always want to be best in class at everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, and we thought she was just a, a great foot. You know, I guess Pluma was running smooth enough where she had the bandwidth to come over and-, and uh, Good for her, that's great. Um, the baked goods are fabulous. So I've only been to the property, well, I've been to the property a couple times, but I've only eaten at the property twice. 
um, both times for brunch. And, um, and I, I mean, I think the food is excellent and I, you know, I'm not a smoke blower. I don't need to do that, but I, um, I really love the concept because it is an incredible, uh, it's very fresh. It's an incredible mix of sort of these South American specialties sort of interspersed with how Americans eat. Do you know what I mean? I mean, look, DC has a, um, the dining palette here is pretty advanced. I mean, people aren't afraid to eat. They're totally cool trying new experiences and um, they're pretty educated. So, um, but serving good food versus just doing something creative doesn't, you know, it doesn't always work, right? Sometimes people just want to be creative and don't, aren't able to execute it properly. So what, but I haven't had lunch or um, dinner. So what is the vision for dinner? Yeah, I mean, so the, the vision of Mercy Me was, was always that the, space could be sort of create your own adventure, right? Like if you want to have a very casual coffee and a pastry, yes, we're that, you know, if you want to grab a sandwich to go at lunchtime, great. Um, and then at nighttime, we always wanted to transform into like a proper restaurant, um, table service and a full bar with lots of energy. Someday, someday soon. Someday. Like that, that space as you've been in, it's big, it is meant for people. Absolutely. Um, but as you described the brunch menu, that's sort of like the ethos of the space, right? And I think a lot of that is because Micah and Johanna and Danny and I, we all like complement each other really well. Danny and I are sort of more down and dirty, you know, simple. And, you know, I don't know how to say this without making it sound like we're, you know, dumpster divers, but Micah and Johanna are a little more thoughtful and sort of, uh, like chefy is on the word, right? And I think those, the combination of, uh, of the two couples leads to this menu where there are some pretty elaborate dishes, but then there's also like a super bomb hamburger. So it really is, it's like, create your own adventure. This space can be an amazing first date. It can be a casual dinner. It can be like, it can be whatever you need it to be. Well, that totally makes sense. All right, let me do this, guys. I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about sort of the restaurant industry sort of panel it a little bit and talk about, you know, what comes next for everybody, especially in 2021 and what you guys see. Let's do some crystal balling for a little bit. Uh, this is Nikki Nellis. It's Industry Night on Real Fun DC. I'll be back in just a sec. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. <sighs> Serving up thought for food. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis on Real Fun DC. I am talking with the founders of um, Call Your Mother and Timber Pizza and Chaplains and Zeppelins who have all come together to do and execute Mercy Me in the New Year's Truly Hotel. And I wanted to ask you guys a little bit, like now that we're like enmeshed in the pandemic, there's no um, dining inside, you can only eat outside. Um, hopefully that changes in a couple of weeks, but you know, the on and off again is going to be constant. I'm pretty sure until either more people get vaccines or we have some real leadership. So I'm just sort of curious what you guys think, like what, Micah, you said this earlier, there was some silver linings to you. Like, what did you think, like, was QR code something that you used before that you use now? Like what were some, what are some of the silver linings or business? uh ideas that you're like yeah i'm gonna use that in the future um <clears throat> i just think it's just like forced everyone to kind of uh you know to focus to kind of um to cut down their menus and focus on like what's important and what they're really 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 you know good at and uh and just also uh just cast a much bigger net obviously with to go whereas people previously you're probably missing out on a lot of that because you're so focused looking within um so it's just kind of like helped us uh sharpen our our bird's eye view of everything so to speak and uh you know and also just get like really creative uh you know from uh, I'm selling kick-ass coladas at Mercy Me, like in ice cream containers uh, and with really cool, you know, uh, branding on it. And, you know, and that's the kind of thing that, uh, that is just, it's, it's really fun. And it also, you know, it also just makes us realize like, 
you know, we're not just selling, uh, we're not just selling uh, to celebrate uh, within our place. Like we're standing behind our product to eat, to take it anywhere um, and celebrate, you know, wherever you will or <laughs> wherever you can these days, right? Um, so, I, you know, I, like I said, I just think that it, it just opened up our, uh, our perspective on everything and uh, helped us, you know, kind of improve and focus on, you know, what we're good at. Well, I think that's really um, important. And I, I, I've been hearing that from a lot of other restaurateurs, chefs, people in the industry um, about, I hate the pivot, we have to come up with another word, um, but, you know, about like looking in another direction, your point of view, figuring it out from another way. I am sort of curious, um, Danny and Andrew, what about sort of the labor force? You know, um, how did you guys address all your employees and do you think there are, are changes coming now like especially just with everything right between black lives matter and you know sexual harassment in the restaurant industry like we have all these things that were already kind of happening and now we have the pandemic safety for the employees is you know top priority what did you do to help your employees and and you know is there a labor model post-pandemic that makes sense? Ooh, um, a lot it's, of, a loaded, it's a loaded question, I know. Um, so, I mean, to start, like when the pandemic hit, the first decision that we made was, let's close for two weeks and look at the landscape. And then the second decision we made was, we're gonna keep everybody on until either the bank account is empty or we figure this thing out, right? Like that is where we started, that was our thesis statement. and that's probably not what they would teach you in business school and certainly not what our accountant told us to do. Mm -hmm. but, you know, all these restaurants and places, everybody always preaches, we're a family and we take care of each other. And I think this past year has been a, a time for restaurants to really prove that, you know, their money is where their mouth is or whatever saying you want to say. So we started there and we basically said, you know, we're going to pay you whether you can come to work or not. And we're going to take care of you. Um, and we have just tried to have the most open, lines of communication among all staff. So we are trying to prove to them that we're gonna take care of them, not just during the pandemic, but during the protests and everything. We want everybody to feel you know, safe and heard. We're, we're starting an employee uh, program called Empower 360, which is you know, everything from health insurance, free gym classes, language classes. Hmm. We have an employee relief fund. So if anybody's family are there, are having any hard times, we have extra money set aside um, to help people. So, you know, the hurricanes just hit Honduras and we just helped uh, send a lot of money and supplies down to Honduras because a lot of our staff has family down there. So for us, it's just like the highest level, macro level is, you know, practice what we preach. And if we say we're a family, actually treat every single employee like family. Um, so that's where we're starting. Um, now as for like a labor model, I, I would say this has, force us and a lot of restaurants to be more efficient, right? Like when you have to do social distancing and stuff, no longer can you have five people in the kitchen at a time. Now you have two people in the kitchen at a time. So maybe you're just like rethinking how efficient you can be. Um, and for us, we've always paid our staff above market. So while we accept tips, we don't do the tipped wage. We do a true minimum wage at a minimum plus tips. So all of our staff is making, you know, 25 to $30 an hour. Um, we believe that if you pay your staff well and take care of them, they're going to commit to you. And when you have staff that is committed to you through and through, it leads to a better business. There's institutional knowledge. They love the business. So they're going to go above and beyond and treat the customers right. They're going to truly believe in the product. So we believe all of it's part of the wheel and the wheel only works if all parts of the wheel sort of connected and working. Well, I don't disagree with that. And it's, uh, it's amazing that you're able to do that given like, if you think about what your products are, you know, if you, if like in my head, when I do math on bagels and pizza, you know, that's not the money. Do you know what I mean? You know, and you're not, I mean, I know you do wine and I don't, you do wine at Timber, right? Mm -hmm. and beer, but like, yep. you're not, you're not doing like Micah, like the major cocktails. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the way your money comes in is, is pure volume, right? Sure. And, and listen, we are only allowed to do this stuff because the communities support us in wild numbers, right? Like we're so lucky that the people have embraced us the way they have. Um, 
and it's a two-way street, right? We try and give it back. We have interns from local high schools. We promote free breakfast for kids in the neighborhoods and neighborhood cleanups. And it's like, again, it's this cycle where it's like, we always say we're a restaurant. And a lot of people think that means we're just trying to say yes to the customer, but we try and have that bleed through everything, right? That means we're saying yes to our staff. We're saying yes to our communities. Um, and because we do that and we're, you know, we're transparent about it and we tell the communities what we're doing. And I think, you know, it's, it's great that they like the product, but then I also think they like the business model we have and they like our ethos. So they want to support us even more. And then it becomes this thing that sort of feeds off each other. But yeah, if the volume wasn't there, we simply could not do the stuff we're trying to do. So we're very, very blessed that um, we're as busy as we are. Well, and, but so were you able to use that model working with a hotel and at Mercy Me? Uh, That's different, right? It is different. Yeah. That's what I, I think your model makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, tipped wage, that whole story is, <laughs> I think that's been turned on its head. Yes. It's going to be really interesting how people move forward um, after the pandemic and whether or not they are able, if, if not only do restaurateurs and chefs and people who own restaurant properties have to change their tactics, the dining public has to be totally re-educated on how to eat in a restaurant and how to treat people who work in restaurants and, and how their money is made. Oh, and we're discussing at Mercy Me, like for dinner, we always had a vision that it was full table service. And it's like, maybe you can create great plates and have a great dining experience, but you're ordering at a counter. Right. Still have that full dining experience. So we're, you know, we're lifting up every rock and looking underneath it and seeing what makes the most sense. Um, you know, it, you know, yesterday we were taking, you know, the day one minute at a time and in right. the restaurant industry during the pandemic and in this crazy time, you know, a lot of the stuff we do, we take a day at a time. Um, so I wouldn't say like Mercy Me is done morphing by any, you know, stretch of the imagination. We still have a lot of, of room to grow and do other things. So we're sort of looking at all that and, you know, talking about it every, every week. Well, that makes sense. I mean, first of all, you opened it in the middle of the pandemic, which is amazing um, because it, it's still, you know, it's really got a lot of press and it's got a lot of attention and the food and drinks are fabulous. So there's a lot going on there. Um, we are going to have to wrap up the show. I'm going to ask all of you just to sort of tell me like, what is your hope for the industry in 2021? Like let's crystal ball it just a little bit. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Um, I mean, listen, we can't, we won't know what happens with the pandemic. Hopefully all this uh, craziness, you know, sort of a base in the next couple of weeks, but you know, what, what do you hope for the restaurant industry going forward? Are there, is there like one change that you're like, I want that change? Yeah, I mean, I hope that, uh, I hope that we're able to grow uh, in uh, new directions uh, without losing, uh, you know, what we have, like Andrew was saying, like the, the creative aspect, uh, the creating a space uh, for you to kind of revel and to enjoy yourself. And, and that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, that would be, you know, my biggest, uh, my biggest is for us to, you know, to, to grow, but also to, to still be able to provide, you know, uh, these creative spaces and uh, for people to, for guests to embrace them and not to hopefully to get back to that kind of community sense of community that we, that we had. Mm -hmm. And Danny, what about you? I mean, with everything you guys have going on and all these new properties opening up, um, where's your head at? I just hope that, you know, there's more opportunities for, for people. That's the main reason that we like opening more stores is to give people the chance. And, you know, we're a true family and we want that family to grow and create more opportunities for them. And that's what I hope to see more everybody trying to give opportunities to the people that need it. Well, that's an incredible wish. And I hope you're right. Like, because there's so many people who don't have jobs right now. And uh, the hospitality industry is an incredible industry to work for. It's incredible. And it gives so many people such great opportunities. There's so much growth. Um, I think I say this every week on the show, pre pandemic, I had Kathy Hollinger on the show and we were talking about the fact that there were all these, uh, 
jobs. There were, you know, I would get texts every day. She would get texts every day. Who do you know? What do you know? Do you know a GM? Do you know a Sue? Do you know this? Do I need a server? You know, and then it literally went from we have all this opportunity to, oh my God, now we have all these people who need that opportunity again. So the hope that it builds back um, and builds back fast is uh, definitely there. So um, listen, I can't thank you all enough uh, for joining me today. Um, Danny and Andrew, can you tell everybody where they can find Call Your Mother, where they can find Timber Pizza, where we can find you socially so we can follow you and stalk you and all that kind of good stuff? At Call Your Mother Deli on Instagram, at Timber Pizza Co. on Instagram, at Percy Me DC on Instagram. Excellent. I'm Doughboy. Uh, yeah, D O I. We all know who you are. <laughs> okay, Micah, tell us where we can find you and your lovely wife, Johanna, please. At uh, Mercy Me DC and uh, at Chaplains DC and at Zeppelin DC. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And listeners, once again, I want to thank you for joining me again on Industry Night on Real Fun DC. Um, for those of you who listened to Industry Night before when it was out of the line hotel at fullserviceradio.org, I'm so delighted. Uh, well, I'm not delighted that fullserviceradio.org went away, but I am delighted that this show has been picked up by Real Fun DC and I'm able to continue to uh, provide a microphone to the community so they can share what's happening for them. Um, I do want to remind all of you, support your local restaurants and independent retailers, buy gift cards, go in and pick up to go if they don't deliver to your area, get your neighbors involved, tell your neighbors, hey, I'm going to X, and uh, if you order, I'll grab yours. Uh, do what's right and support this community or it won't be there for you. Um, I ask you all to please wear a mask, dip yourself in hand sanitizer, and please be healthy and safe. Uh, next week, mm -hmm. pop-ups are in ghost kitchens. They're not really ghost kitchens, but pop-ups are happening all over the city. And we've got people coming in to talk about what they're doing and where they're popping up. Thank you again for joining me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S. Be safe and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.